Welcome to Arts Hold, the banter-driven street-side view of music and musicians from people in the arts. Have a break. Have a cuppa. Let's put the tea in arts. the arts. So, Mr. Green, here we are. Episode four. Episode four. We are on fire, I, Mr. Johnson. I know, we're on a roll, aren't we? Who'd have thunk it? We'd have made it to four episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how has your week been? What have you been up to? Um, well, uh, I've, I'm back at school, um, partially, uh, doing that. And when I'm not doing that, I'm doing... Um, Setting some stuff out remotely, um, also taking opportunities with this beautiful weather that we've been having to get out on my motorbike, uh, as well as out on the bicycle and the occasional run. You Are you still running, mate? Have you been running this week? Yeah, I've, I've been running a lot. I, well, I do run a lot. It helps me think. Yeah. Helps me kind of uh, just get my my thoughts in order. Really running. That's kind of what it's about. It's just, I, I, and I don't get me wrong. I'm not a fantastic runner. I do a lot of running, but I'm not really very good at it. I'm not a proper runner. Mm. I mean, I do 30 miles a week. I suppose is average. But I think proper runners are doing 100 or or thereabouts. Do you know what I mean? I'm just I just plod. I, I sort of shuffle. Yeah. I shuffle for 30 miles a week. Yeah, it's a good shuffle. But right? I enjoy it. That's. I enjoy it, and it keeps me feeling good. Yeah. So it's valid. Yeah. No, I think it's, you know? I mean, I, I went through a bit of a wobble, as I think you know, sort of in my 30s, one of those sort of, I think I had an early midlife crisis because it wasn't really midlife, but yeah, and running really was a thing that sort of got me through that slightly wobbly period. Uh, I just think, yeah, that it gets your serotonin up and being out and about, it sort of gives you, can give you the same lift that it can when you play music. Or listen yes, to exactly, Mister Green. Mm. Absolutely right. So, have you been? You used to cycle a lot. Tell me about cycling. Now, essentially, that's just an excuse to put on tight-fitting lycra, right? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the lycra is now very tight-fitting, and for the sake, better sake of the of the community, I don't really do that anymore. I think it's better for everyone. Uh, although I can put lycra on right. when I cycle the bike on my balcony um, on the little trainer thing I do. Which I can recommend. Get a just little trainer for your back In the privacy wheel. of your own home. Yes, do it in the safety yeah. of your own home, exactly. And then you yeah, can get these YouTube... Very good. Yeah, you get these YouTube videos now, Colway, where I can be on the balcony of mine, but I'm virtually cycling around the Pyrenees or Lake Garda or something. It's brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they'd do that for runners, but it'd be quite dangerous, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> you'd, you'd run into things. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how that would work. <laughs> Um, uh, now, tell me, who are you interviewing this week? Tell me, tell me, who is it? I am interviewing mezzo-soprano Rosie Aldrich. Yeah, I did know that, actually. Wonderful yes. mezzo. Great. It was a pleasure to interview her. We've worked together at Covent Garden uh, in November last year. Right. Doing some Benjamin Britten. Absolutely fabulous. Oh, I, I like a bit of Benji Britten. Um, Benji. Yeah. It was Benjamin Britten's last opera, yeah, called Death Death in Venice. Ah, 
Ah, yes. yes. I, 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 All I, about cholera and stuff. Right. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I think it's um, it's about to kick in any moment. Um, Fantastic. So we'll have a little chat afterwards um, once you've interviewed her. Welcome to the part of the show I like to call Colin's got a dog and bone and he's not afraid to use it, where I literally make a telephone call. So let me just explain to everybody how, how we know each other. We, we did an amazing production of uh, Death in Venice at the Royal Opera yes. House. When was that? Yes. Gosh, well, it feels about 20 years ago, but I think it was actually just last autumn. Last autumn, so, was it? About, yeah. Wow. Yeah, about what six, a, seven months ago. Yeah. What a wonderful production. Sir David McVicker, uh, Richard Farns conducting, Mark Padmore. Wonderful. Wonderful. What an amazing production. Yeah, and wonderful Vicky Mortimer designing oh, as well. Yes, she's amazing. 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 Oh, wonderful happy days. Costumes. Happy days. Do you remember when yeah. we did that? Do you remember when we did things like that? We all met in public I, and we sang with an orchestra. I know. I know. Oh. And we were a team. And we, I know. I know. I think that's the thing. You know, I, I was doing a kind of drop-in tea chat thing. Uh, yesterday, I, I was part of it. I wasn't running it, need to make that clear. I can't put a price on that, so that's really yeah, special. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and my, so, garden, my garden's looking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I started <laughs> digging an allotment and then uh, realised I didn't have enough topsoil and ordered some topsoil. It's taken, like, the best part of a month to arrive. <laughs> At which point you're supposed to have half of it in. Uh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I've kind of missed the boat in many ways. Um so how long have you been singing? Well, formally or informally? <laughs> uh, professionally. Professionally. Um, I think I'm coming up to next year will be my 10th year out in the big wide world. Right. Okay. I'm feeling very old now. I think about 25 years I've been singing professionally. Louise yesterday was six and you're 10. So uh, uh, there is a sort of logical uh, progression going on. If you could go back 10 years uh, and speak to your former self, is there any, th any advice you would give yourself? God, there's a lot of advice, a lot of advice. Most of it I couldn't possibly repeat in public. Um, but uh, what, what I would say to myself was definitely is technique, technique, technique. Just keep fighting. I always did, but keep keep fighting because that is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and to believe in myself because um, I was very good at believing the crap and not so good at believing the positives. So I think I would go back to myself and, and say, you can do this. You know, I was told that I, I probably wouldn't have much of a career in Europe. Well, now I pretty much solely work in Europe, apart from at the Royal Opera House. So, you know, I think it's, you have to believe in yourself and you have to work extremely hard. And I think I would go back and just say, trust yourself. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. Um, <clears throat> So, what's the plan going forward? How do you see opera kind of um, getting back on its feet? Or do you? I, I, yes, I do. I, I, I do think it will definitely get back on its feet because the world needs opera. And, you know, whilst this is a horrendous time, we have been through worse over the last 
500 years and we've still got through it um, and I believe it does hold an important place in our society um, I think it's going to be very strange for a while I don't think anybody knows um, I was watching an interesting thing um, on the telly uh, with Tony Papano was talking um, with that wonderful um, historian who I love and whose name I forget now late, um, lady and he was saying you know I, I, I think they really don't know um, I think it's going to be trying, trying to socially distance choruses and orchestras and backstage. We are going to have to become inventive. Yeah. Mm. So you're not um, you're not a believer in the uh, that Oxford have come up with this vaccine that we're all going to be having by September. Then I, I, I believe that even if there is a vaccine, and I think it will be created by September. Um, I am suspicious because, I mean, look, I'm not a scientist, but I think that there will be different strains of this virus. That mm. it, it's clever. It's already proved it's very clever. So um, I'm certainly not holding out for a vaccine. Um, I think that's it, it, it's a false hope, mm -hmm. um, personally. I, I think that everybody will have to come to a point in their lives where they make a choice. And that choice is, you know, how important is this to me? How important is that to me? Am I going to? Am I willing to risk sitting in a concert hall with a mask on? Am I? It's. I think it's going to be down to that. Yeah, I think that there might well also be a sense of the spirit of the Blitz about it when people go back to theatres. A yes. sense of group. Look what yeah. we're doing. We're back in a group. Look at us. Yeah. Um, which, which you might yeah. also get at sport, I suppose, as well. Um, I think some venues uh, will be easier to work Definitely. in if they're outdoor venues, for example. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking with um, uh, Tim Sheeder, who runs Regent's Park Open Air Theatre um, mm. the other day, you know, and obviously there are a lot more things that they can put in place than we can if we're stuck in a theatre. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's your plan for the, for the autumn? If we're all back on our feet, what happens in the autumn for you? Um, well, in the autumn, uh, I I go to um, Naples. Um, Napoli. Yeah, Napoli. Where love some. is king, where boy yes. meets girl, here's what they sing. I that know, one. and, I'm, and I'm going to be making my, hopefully making my debut in Munich. Oh! Um, yeah, singing the Mutter in Hensel and Gretel, so I'm just, I'm praying Which, that, of course, is uh, a tenor role, isn't it, really? We all know that. Say that again. It's, it's a tenor role, isn't it? We all know that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, this is a role that's sometimes sung by a tenor, sometimes by a mezzo. Oh, you should explain to me. So, the way this podcast works, Barney knows nothing about classical music, really, and I know nothing about any music that's not classical music. Um, so, can you explain to Barnaby and anybody else who doesn't know what a mezzo-soprano is, please? Okay, so um, a mezzo-soprano literally just means half voice of a soprano so yeah, a little bit lower than a soprano which is hilarious so really considering your as voices as a soprano <laughs> right so a mezzo soprano half a soprano that's hilarious considering your voice which is massive 
Could <laughs> <laughs> be like a um, double soprano, half a soprano. And it's strange because you know, it really—it's um, not about who can sing the highest. Because actually, I can sing and do sing soprano roles, and um, I, I have notes that are the same as a lot of soprano. Yeah. But it's for those who don't know, we—it's more focused on something called tessitura of where we sit. So, in other words, yes, I like singing high, but do I like singing up, up there the whole time? Mm. No, I like to pop up and down, whereas a soprano tends to be more comfortable staying high. That's that's a very general idea. Yeah, so tessitura being the sort of general area that a song or a part lies in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where, exactly, exactly, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So what's your... Uh, What's your daily routine? Do you have a daily routine or is every day a, a free-for-all? No, no, I do have a sort of routine. Um, we, well, obviously, we're always up early because I have a toddler. Yeah. Um, so, um, and at the moment, my husband is doing some freelance work when he can. Um, so he's doing a bit of that in the morning. So I'm looking after her. Um, and I'm very happy that we're on lockdown with my mum. Um, so she is also helping look after my little one while I sometimes sing when I, when I can, which Mm -hmm. I'm finding really hard. Um, and we take Beatrice out, run her around and, um, you know, do some gardening and keep, we're keeping busy. We're keeping really busy actually. I think that's important, isn't it? To keep, keep busy. I, I think routines are brilliant, but there's, I just get the odd day where I just think, what again? Am I doing yeah, yeah, this exactly. again? This time of the day, you know, like there's there's the front garden. We sit out the front garden and have a coffee when the sun reaches the front garden, and it's kind of yeah. it's like a routine. But you think well, it's like a holiday that's never going to end, which is really weird. It is really weird. Yeah, it is really weird, and we're used to, I think, in our job, um, changing it up a lot. You know, mm. we're in, often in different countries, we're with different people, um, you know, so for us it's quite strange to be at home for such a long stretch of time and it should feel like this amazing luxury but, but there's this uneasiness, I don't know if you feel this, but I feel that it's just, even when I'm sitting in the sun thinking, gosh, I'm so lucky I've got a garden, I'm so lucky I've got my family here, there's this just uneasiness in the background because yeah. I shouldn't be doing this. Mm. Mm. That's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, I think at the back of my mind, I'm thinking of all things, you know, uh, opera is going to be kind of behind pubs opening. It's going to be behind cinemas, possibly. But there are plans. Some very clever people are working on things to make it work. It's just that in my mind, I don't know these plans. So it, it feels like it's going to be the last thing of everything to open yes. and of course when you make your living doing it it's horrendous <laughs> the yeah. thought it's it's the not knowing um you know and what was i think what i found quite disheartening is you know what initially are what are our worst case scenarios have suddenly become our best case scenarios mm. you know so oh, first of all we thought right well we'll definitely be back over the summer and then it's like okay so obviously so sad obviously glimborn and all the summer festivals. Yeah. Although Salzburg, I think Salzburg are putting on a kind of skeleton program, from what I understand. Are they? Yeah. Um, yeah, and Piero in Italy are also doing a kind of uh, a, a revised program. So people are trying. Mm. But, I, but you know, that almost makes it stranger for me because I think, well, that's wonderful. But because we're not involved in that, you sort mm-hmm. of think, 
Oh, it's very, it's very strange. It is very strange. Um, where can people uh, hear you? Have you got a website or are you on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything like that? Um, I am recently, <laughs> I have just started on Instagram. For those who know me, they find it very funny because I'm I'm very frightened and allergic to social media. Yeah. Um, I've been awfully told off by my management. And so I do now have an Instagram <laughs> okay. um, account. And I also have a website um, and rosiealdridge.com. And you can also find me on my manager's website, um, uh, owlartistmanagement.com. And I actually, I could give a little shout out if I can be really cheeky to um, a new recording that I have coming out, being released um, with the BBC Symphony Orchestra, um, Miss Julie um, Chandos are releasing it. And it'll be, uh, I think, uh, well, we were hoping for the 3rd of July, so I'm not sure if that is still the release date. Um, But um, it's a fantastic, little bit like, it's a a little bit like almost Bernstein-y kind of score it's it's really great lovely i'll look out for that that sounds great rosie it's fantastic to talk to you thank you for joining us well she was a very nice lady um yeah um excellent really interesting that was uh well yeah a couple of things um uh, i'm going to pull you up on something Uh, you said i don't know anything about classical music that is not entirely true. I do know a couple of things about classical music. What do you know? Tell us what you know. Oh, it's, it's got a sort of classic, classical feel to it, and it's musical. <laughs> um, okay. Listen, I, you know, we, we've performed in classical concerts, Shostakovich 5. Oh, yeah, at some point. I mean, do you uh, possibly, I think, the height... Of, okay, Colin played um, clarinet um, and obviously was not doing opera when we were at college in more than just really um, the l- l- learning his trade. So when, if there were pieces where there was not clarinet or movements without clarinet, I would often get him to come and join me in the percussion oh, section. Yes. And I think, well, you remember the, the, the pinnacle. The 1812. Um, it, I think there was a William Tell, yeah. actually. Yeah. William Overture at yeah. Brentwoods. Which, if anybody, most people will know the William Tell Overture. It's the one that goes dum 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 dum. It's in, it's an insane piece of music. It's basically speed metal of classical, isn't it? Yeah. And then when it goes to the sort of, I'll call it the chorusy bit. That's when the percussion section really stands up. Yeah, yeah. Percussion goes into sort of like you know warp factor four, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and and it, the percussion in it is so mental that when we did it in the co- we we did it as a sectional, and a sectional is when just one section of the orchestra plays their section, which say for violins or brass, you know, sounds quite musical. When it's percussion, it sounds like the car clown at a circus barreling into the arena, doesn't it? And, um, <laughs> And it was the percussion sectional of William Tell. Was, uh, it was just hilarious. I, so I remember we, I had one, like one <laughs> foot on the stand of the bass drum just to make yeah. sure that if I hit it hard, it wouldn't go kind of into the rest <laughs> of the orchestra. <laughs> yeah. And do you remember, I think it may have been, God bless him, Peter Britton again, or more, maybe even Nick Toller, they, they, they thought it was so funny, the percussional section, that he's sort of added, unknown, I don't think we knew he, he was going to do it, but the end of the concert, 
with William, the William Tell Overture being the finale, he actually turned to the audience and said, we're going to actually throw in something extra. I'd like just the percussion section to play that bit. And we did it in the concert. Yeah. And the key, key was, we were deadpan. Yeah, that's so right. Inside, we were laughing. Yeah. I mean, a glimmer. That's right. We did it absolutely dead time, which only made it funnier. Oh, happy days. So we have done some classical music together. Um, and it's also not true that you don't know anything about other um, types of music because, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely got me into Nat King Cole. And at some point, I hope the, our audience gets to hear Cole do his Nat King Cole impersonation because it is quite uncanny and yeah it's very good isn't it you got me into them and into everything but the girl um uh and now obviously you know lots about sort of girl. Lots of, yeah, yeah what an amazing group there i was listening to them out on the run today actually ah. what was the name of the lead singer of everything but the girl well there you go there's a few that's Question. one for the Instagram people there. Yeah. Lovely Rosie also talked about um, Glyndebourne and some uh, members of the our, our listener um, audience might not know Glyndebourne. What is Glyndebourne, Cole? So Glyndebourne, I mean, it started basically as somebody's, um, uh, somebody put um, opera on in, in their kind of, they just happened to have an organ room and they happened to have a barn and uh, Lord uh, John Christie and his wife, uh, they used to put on kind of semi-staged uh, operas for, for themselves and for the family. And then that expanded. They put it in their barn. And then it got their barn sort of got a bit bigger. They got some scenery in it. Uh, and then it, I think about 1997, something like that, six or seven, um, they built a state-of-the-art, you know, hundred million-pound auditorium in their back garden. It's a stately home. It's the, it's just, it's on the kind of circuit, you know, with Henley and Ascot. Um, it's oh, yeah. a really big social event, but it's also world-class opera in the Sussex Downs. It's just in a town called Lewis, East Sussex, about ten miles from Brighton. Absolutely fantastic. I've, I've worked there pretty much every season for the last 20. Yeah. I, that's just, it absolutely defines the aristocracy, doesn't it? <laughs> People that have the sort of insane level of disposable financial liquidity to go, should we go to the opera? No. Let's bring it to us and have the opera in our garden. I, Cole managed to get me tickets to Blindborn on, on more than one occasion. Uh, the first time was many years ago, and me and my girlfriend at the time, Kate, we we had to do a supermarket dash because it was all rather last minute. I managed to um, buy an esky, some sandwiches, and a four pack of beer. Because the love, one of the loveliest things for me uh, about Glyndebourne is in, there's a very large interval in the middle uh, where you go and have a picnic. And we sat with our esky. I mean, you could spot our car in the car park because it wasn't a Bentley or a a rusty riddled with holes Astra estate that stood out like a bare thumb. Um, and then, yeah, we were sitting on the grass eating our picnic with a four pack next to the King and Queen of Sweden who had a proper dining table and cutlery and a butler. And a butler, chandelier. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's hope that happens again. I do think they do try and make it a little bit more accessible, don't they, Glyndebourne now, slightly. Yeah. But, um, part of the season, and definitely if you ever get a chance to go, I, I, I recommend it. And the new venue is amazing, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. You know what? It's a brilliant, brilliant place to work. Um, they're lovely, lovely people there. And just want to send out uh, my condolences at this point um, to Gus and all the family, uh, because Lady Mary passed this week. Um, oh. Peacefully in her sleep, I'm told. Uh, you know, she will be missing. Wonderful, wonderful woman. Always had, always had a cheeky glint in her eye for everyone. Um, right. Yeah, that's very sad. Blimey. Uh, um, well, look, let's hope we get to do Glyndebourne again. Um, I'm going to quickly, because we've got to sign off, I'm going to quickly talk about my guest for next week, uh, which is a fabulous singer-songwriter, called, uh, singer and songwriter. <laughs> um, you'll find out why I've corrected myself next week. Um, uh, called Samantha Waits, um, who, yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've known for a while, I've seen her perform at different venues, everything from sort of, you know, lovely proper commercial venues to just little living room gigs uh, and she writes beautiful songs she's done some interesting collaborations it's an interesting person to talk to um, because you know she's not quite at the sort of uh, Ed Sheeran uh, sort of level uh, yet um, of notoriety um, uh, but she's yeah definitely quite rightly um, so it's a lovely little interview with her uh, that's mine for next week um, we should probably sign off mate okay let's sign off for this week we should stop talking then yeah yeah and go and do something else and everybody else go and do something else. yeah let's do that have a wonderful week mate um, yeah stay safe everybody stay well and uh, we'll talk to you next week bye bye Have a cuppa. Let's put the tea in art.